How are y'all doing? Very good. I wanted to give you a little extra time this morning to meet and greet. I know as as Brother Sal said, we're thrown off a little bit this morning with the CD. So I notice a lot of you are going like, whoa, where is Joe? I haven't, <laughs> the person I usually sit next to is not here. But it's just a, a blessing to be with you here this morning. Pastor Joe, Kathy, you're taking a little time, get a little rest. I've been very busy. So it's just my pleasure to be with you here this morning. I want to um, have a simple message for you this morning, and it's an exhortation, an exhortation to just continue strong in the faith, hold fast to your confession of faith. And we're going to look in the book of Hebrews this morning and go through a number of different verses in the book of Hebrews. So if you want to turn to the book of Hebrews, we'll start with chapter 4 in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. I titled the message, Hold Fast Your Confession of Faith, because I think there's something important in the term, hold fast. That term, hold fast, is a term that's been used a lot uh, through the years, and it really comes back from a Danish term, meaning to hold tightly, hold tightly. So the message this morning is, let's hold tightly to our faith. Let's hold fast to our faith. Some of you that might have been in the Navy or know about the Navy, it's a term they use to hold fast and to hold tightly to the ropes or the rigging of their ship. So we want to hold fast and hold tightly to the Lord. Let's begin in chapter 4 of Hebrews. I want to begin with verse 14. And as we look at the verse 14, I want to just remind you, the book of Hebrews was really a book written to encourage believers in <clears throat> Jerusalem at the time right after Christ had died and they were starting the new church. Many of the believers were beginning to fall away. They were losing that first love. They were no longer sure about Christ and his resurrection and what it did for them. So many of them were starting to go away from the faith and starting to go back to their Judaism, the things that they had practiced before not realize what Christ had done for them. The author in this book of Hebrews is really trying to give them that word of exhortation that you don't need to go back to those things, but you can just be fully confident in Christ and your salvation. And he says this in, in the book of Hebrews. He says, I, and I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. So in chapter 13, he reminds them again, this is a word of exhortation. So the key theme of Hebrews is to look at the superiority of Christ. He is our high priest. Remember in the Levitical times, in the Jewish times, the Levitical high priests were the ones who had the authority. Those are the only ones that could go into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies. You had to go through the priests. But when Christ came, that all changed. That changed. And he wants to exhort the believers right here. So let's look at... <clears throat> Chapter 4, verse 14, starting with verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. A very key verse, right? Jesus, our high priest, he is our new high priest. We need to hold fast or hold tightly to our confession of faith. Going on to verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Remember in 1 Timothy 2.5, when Paul said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Again, Christ is our mediator. He is the one who can bring us into the presence of God. There is only one mediator, and that is the man Jesus Christ. As we look at also into verse 15, we see the correlations with many of the teachings of Paul. For he said, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness in him. So again, here we have Christ in terms of who he is and what he's done for us. And then he says, And was all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Christ knows what we go through. He was tempted just as we are tempted today. And we look in Hebrews earlier in chapter 2, verse 18. He said, For in him, and for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid through those who are tempted. He knows what we go through. He knows how we go through temptation. He knows the trials and the tribulations that we can face because he went through them himself. Verse 16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is so important. When he says, let us, let us, he's challenging us. He's challenging us as believers and he's calling us to do us. Let us come to what? Let us therefore come boldly, boldly. That means with confidence. Let's come with confidence to the throne of grace, that what? We can freely, freely come to the Lord and say, what? Without reservation, without fancy words, and with confidence and persistence. We need to come to the Lord on a daily basis. Every morning, we need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. But you can save me. You can do the work in me. You can heal me. You can strengthen me. You can give me words of encouragement, and you can also help me get through this. It's so important. So let's remember, as we talk about grace and mercy, what it means. Remember what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is what? Getting what we do not deserve. So God is merciful, and he provides us this grace. Paul talked about this when he talked in the epistles in the New Testament, in Titus 3, 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Again, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So we know we are saved by grace, Right? Through faith is not of ourselves, but a free gift of God. Not any man should boast. When we talk about coming to the Lord, remember the Lord's words in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. 28, He says, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we know we can come to the Lord. We can come to him with all of our burdens and he can make us and give us rest and victory through that. Let's go ahead and move to chapter 10 now, chapter 10 of Hebrews. 
In chapter 10, there's a passage, starting with verse 9, which says, Hold fast the confession of faith, and talks about that holding fast, that confession of faith. Key verses right here, verses 19 through 24. And I'm going to focus on those um, for a, a few minutes and talk about what we need to do as Christians in order to really hold fast. He talks a series of statements, let us, let us, collectively as Christians, what we need to do. But anytime you see, as in verse 19, the first word, therefore, remember as we study the Bible, when it says, therefore, we need to refer back what was previously said prior to those verses. Because therefore is saying, because of these things, or as a result of this, and so, so we need to revert back. So I'm going to go back to verse 1 of chapter 10, just for a moment, and give a little summary from verses 1 through 18 to talk a little bit about what that therefore is referring to. In verses 1 through 4, it focuses on how animal sacrifices were insufficient. Let me read verses 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, could never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had, to, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of the bulls and goats could take away sins. In verses 1 through 4, we're talking about the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant that God had with the Jewish people. And in that Old Covenant, to covering of sins, you had to sacrifice animals. And that had to be, had to be done by the Levitical priests who could only enter the temple. So under the Old Covenant, believers were reminded of their sin on an annual basis. We go, I have to have offered this sacrifice for my sins. So people were reminded of their sin, and it covered their sin, but it didn't remove their sin. That's a key point. It covered their sin, but it didn't remove their sin. Let's go on to verses 5 through 10. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offering for sins you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Remember, as I said, the sacrifice covered the sin, but it didn't remove the sin. Here in this passage, it begins to talk about how Christ's death fulfills God's will under the new covenant. The new covenant, which God shedding his blood, the removal of sin and the remission of sins, which gives us now access to God. The prophecy that was there in verses 5, 6, and 7 was really referring to a prophecy that was said earlier. And it is referred to again in Psalms where it says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, 
My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Christ, talking about Christ and giving up his life, okay, and doing the Father's will. That's what he's referring to here. In John chapter 17, verse 19, it says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. This is Jesus speaking of himself. And Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus, says, that he might sanctify his cleanser with the washing of the water by the word. Let's go on to verses 11 through 18. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering from sin. So now... From these verses, we are now, we have perfect standing through Christ. We have access to God. We have the remission of sin. And we are sanctified or set apart for the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Again, God, now Jesus, standing and sitting at the right hand of God. His standing with God. In Colossians 2.10, it says, And you are complete in him who has had all principality and power. So now we are complete in him, as we <coughs> says in verse 10, by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. Remember under the old covenant, covering of sin. Now under the new covenant, removal of sin, sanctified, our standing in Christ. That is what it's talking about here in these verses. So let me just real quickly, this is a fulfillment of prophecy, and let me just contrast the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Remember under the Old Covenant, repeated sacrifices, year by year, having to come to cover our sins. Under the New Covenant, one sacrifice, God, Jesus, for our sins. Under the Old Covenant, the blood of animals, the blood of others, and the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, his own blood. Again, the old covenant, covering of sin. The new covenant, putting away of sin. And lastly, under the old covenant, for the Jewish people, for Israel only, under the new covenant, for all of us, for all sinners. So we have standing with Christ. We have access to God. Now let's go to verse 19, where I really wanted to focus on. So when we say therefore, now we know what the therefore is talking about. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let me stop there from verses 19 
through 20 and 21. <coughs> I like the New Living Translation of these verses because it gives a little more clarity. So looking at, again, verses 19 through 21, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way to the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. So this is referring to, again, how Christ now is our high priest and we have access to the Holy of Holies. And now the <coughs> curtain or the veil is just, has been torn. And this is referring, again, to the temple and how only the priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. It's talked about in the Gospel of Mark when it says, Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. This veil now is torn and we have access through Jesus our Lord. Looking on to verses 22 to 24. Here the author of Hebrews now talks about let us statements. Let us, as a community of believers, what can we do as a community of believers? Let us, let us, what, what can we do? And starting with verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, the New Living Translation, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let's think of the first thing the lettuce tells us. Let us draw near. Let us draw near to the Lord. Let us come close to Him, and let us have sincere hearts when we come to Him, fully trusting that He can do and remove any kind of guilty conscience we have because of His blood. Going on to verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He... Who promised is faithful. Again, the translation, little living translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. So the second thing, let us draw near. Now, number two, let us hold to our hope. Let's hold on to the hope that we have in Christ. Because remember, as we all came to the Lord, remember as it says in Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Going on, <clears throat> talking about this same concept was Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, when he said, God is faithful by whom you were called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. We have hope through the Lord. Let's go on to verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. What does that really mean? That means, let's think of ways to motivate one another, 
to acts of love and good works. When you look at the early church, when Barnabas, Barnabas was encouraging the early church, what did he say in Acts eleven twenty three? When he came and seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. So we need to what? let us encourage one another. So we have three things, right? We have three things here that he says in these verses. He says, number one, let us draw near. Number two, let us hold to our hope. And number three, let us encourage one another. When we talk about encouragement, I was really taken by this story I read once in a devotion, and I wanted to share the little story with you. And it kind of exemplifies these things in terms of encouraging each other. Let us encourage each other. It's a story about a race, a cross-country race, and it's interesting in that how they approach the race. Let me read this story to you. The Stephen Thompson Memorial Centipede is a cross-country meet, unlike any other. Each seven-member team runs as a unit, holding a rope for the first two miles of a three-mile course. At the two-mile mark, the team drops the rope and finishes the race individually. Each person's time is, therefore, a combination of the pace the team kept and his or her own speed. One year... A team opted for a strategy not previously seen. They put the fastest runner at the front and the slowest runner right behind them. They explained that their goal was for the strongest runner to be near enough to speak words of encouragement to the slowest runner. Isn't that a powerful story in terms of how we encourage those that are strong, bringing along those that may be weaker. We can bring each other through words of encouragement Words of encouragement are so strong and so powerful. I love this thought. Encouragement is water to the soul. Encouragement, a word of encouragement can mean so much. Think about it. How are you encouraging someone this morning? How are you encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ? How are you encouraging your family? I like this morning as we get together every Sunday, and as people get together and to pray for the service, i just just blessed by everyone and their encouragement. One of the things I covet so much is everyone's prayers. Every time I get the opportunity to come up and share, I just love when people say, Ray, praying for you. Ray, God's going to do the work. Ray, I'm just right there with you. And this morning as we prayed, I have to say that when Pastor told me, he comes behind me and he says, Ray, and he puts his hands on my shoulder it means so much. Doesn't it mean so much as we get that kind of encouragement in our lives? Let's be those kind of encouragers. Amen? Let's be those kind of encouragers that we encourage each other. Because we know each of us plays a role. We each have a role in the body of Christ. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, For as the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So each of you has a role. Each of you plays a role. One of you might be a hand, another is a foot, another is an eye. But what? They all make up the body and they all need it. They're all important to the body. So let me summarize these three verses in terms of verses 22, 23, and 24. They really exemplify our faith, verse 22, faith in God. 
Verse 23, hope for ourselves. Verse 24, love for others. And remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, in the great chapter of love, when it concludes and says, And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I like this quote from the great preacher D.L. Moody who said, Faith, faith makes all things possible. Love makes the, all things easy. Let me say that again. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Let's have that love for each other. Let's have that faith that we can have <clears throat> as a body of believers. Let me go one more verse. Verse 25. Because I think, how do we accomplish this? How do we become the encouragers? How do we become those people that <clears throat> love each other? It says in verse 25, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. This is so important. We can't emphasize this enough. When we counsel new believers, what do we say? The three most important things are what? Prayer, reading the word, fellowship, fellowship. And how do we have that fellowship? By coming here this morning. I don't know many of you, many believers here. There may be some people new here. But there's really a lot to coming here each day, each Sunday, each Wednesday, coming to different studies. There's much to be gained because we do it first out of obedience. We do it out of obedience, right? We do it out of obedience because God asks us to do it. Then we do it to what? Worship. We come to worship. Worship the Lord. We also come to learn, to learn of his word. And we come because we can bless the others, because we can come as brothers and sisters, as I said this morning, as we pray and encourage each other. And then we come to work together. We come to work together. I think it's so important that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves. It's so vital. And please, I'm not trying to give anyone any kind of guilt or anything. If you're not able because of physical limitations to be here, it's certainly understood. But if you can, it's important. You need to be here. You need to grow in in God's love and also with the brothers and sisters. I like this hymn or worship song, I should say. Um, It's from the old Maranatha days. and, 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 And it just reminds me each time I hear this hymn in terms as we gather, as we gather. And let me just say the words again. It says, As we gather, may your spirit work within us. As we gather, may we glorify your name, knowing well that as our heart begins to worship, we'll be blessed because we came. We'll be blessed because we came. As we gather, may your spirit work within us. As we gather, may we glorify your name, knowing well that as our heart begins to worship, we'll be blessed. We'll be blessed because we came. I know when we talk about life, You know, the race of life can be really hard to handle at times. You know, we may be tempted to drop that rope. You know, we may be tempted not to hold tightly. But as we run run together, let's offer one another that encouragement to run strong. Let us draw near. Let us hold on to our hope. And let us encourage one another as we move forward. I like the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, where he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you 
hold fast. Hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He encourages us to hold fast. In conclusion here, I'd just like to finish with, as we look into the book of Hebrews, there's so much more exhorting us on to continue in the faith. When you go on to chapter 11, it talks about faith, and it talks about heroes of faith, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, those that are really walked with the Lord. But I like in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us, let us, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think that's such a powerful verse and a good verse to end with because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Let us, let us, let us lay aside every weight and what? And let us run with endurance the race that we are set before us. I recently saw, again, a movie that I've seen many times, and I'm not recommending movies. I just want to make mention of this because it pertains. The movie is titled Master Commander. And it's Russell Crowe. And in the movie, it's a movie about <coughs> ships and the 1800s, around the times of 1800s, and battles of ships. And I like those kinds of, of movies. But there's a little scene in the movie when they're about to go to battle. And in the scene in the movie, one of the sailors in the battle, as they're going to battle, looks to the other sailor. And he turns to him and he goes, hold fast, hold fast. And he has tattooed on his knuckles, hold fast. And as they're going to battle, he says, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. I pray that we might hold fast this morning, hold fast unto the hope that is in, in Christ, that we might trust him and live for him and, and continue our lives as we encourage each other in the Lord. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word again, Lord, and thank you for your words of encouragement through the book of Hebrews, Father. Let us hold fast to your word, Lord, and what you've done for us. You're a great high priest, Lord. You have set aside your people for yourself, Lord, by giving yourself for us, Lord. We just want to trust and thank you and give you all the glory, Father, for everything you've done for us, Lord, your mercy, your grace, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, that again, that they may hold tightly unto you, Lord. And I speak for myself also, Lord, that we might not only hold tightly, but come to you daily, Lord, to your throne of grace, Lord, laying our lives before you, Father. Thank you so much for all you do, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning again, whoever may be sick, whoever may be hurting, Lord, whether it be physically, emotionally, Lord, again, I would just lift up all our needs to you, Father. And we just thank you so much that you are there to hear us and you hear our cry, Father. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. As we conclude this morning's service, I just want to give an opportunity. If all this, what we've been talking about, is really new to you this morning and you've really never made that commitment to the Lord, 
We want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. As the worship team plays, go ahead and pray and think and give glory to God, not only for what he's done for you, but for those of you that may have not made that commitment, there's an opportunity to join the family. As we worship, let us pray again that God will just move greatly in our lives. As the worship team plays, we will take time to reflect upon our lives.